Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. I'm going to read today's passage that Ryan is going to be preaching out of. It is Luke chapter 9, verses 27 through 36. It says, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw this, his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. It's the word of the Lord for the people of God. All right, everybody, we got a passage, don't we? Two weeks in a row, amazing scriptures. Well, you won't notice maybe the difference for most of you if you've been coming to the 11 a.m. service, but we moved our 9 a.m. service indoors as well with mass optional, so we are all in. Here we are. And gosh, doesn't it feel nice? Doesn't it feel nice? I just want to reiterate a big, huge thank you for hanging in there with us. For a time, you remember, we were only watching online. It was all online. And you were bearing patiently while myself and Mark and others tried to figure out that whole online nightmare, like staring into a camera, trying to be sincere (laughs) in an empty room. So awkward, it is so awkward. Thanks for bearing with us on that. And uh, thank you for all those times that you, you know, a lot of you came when we were outside and it was cold some days, some days it was so hot, your face was gonna melt. Some of you got sunburnt for Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. Just thank you, thank you. Many of you guys just said, okay, you didn't want to wear the mask, but you wore it just to make everyone feel safe and comfortable here. Thank you for that. And um, just want to thank you all for all that you guys have gone through and the ways in which we've stuck together as a community. And for those of you who are coming back, you know, just coming back to campus, some of us, are, some people, we still have hundreds of people who are still making their way back to campus. Thank you to you. Because being here is a gift, I hope, to you. But, because you can't get our cafe coffee at home. But it's a gift to everyone who's here. Just to be together, to see one another. You being here gives us a sense of belonging and connectedness to a community. So thank you for that. So believe it or not, you being here matters. And um, thanks for being with us through all this. All right? Well, let's get into the passage. Here we go. Luke 9, verse 28, that Jesus took them up onto a mountain to pray. Now, we're going to go into a, one of my favorite passages. And this moment is such a special moment. And the setting of this moment 
means everything. There's something really significant and symbolic and powerful about where this whole thing takes place up on the mountain. Now, I want you to draw to mind, if you would, just like a memory of being on a mountain. Can you think of a time when you've been in the mountains? I remember I used to go to these retreats with university up Palomar Mountain up to the top. It's like, what, 8,000 feet? I don't know. It's way up there, you know. And I remember times I'd be driving and you'd get through the cloud layer and you'd be above the clouds just looking out. And if you're up there on a clear day at Palomar Mountain, you can see out to the ocean. Okay, there's something about being on the mountain that's just, it connects you to nature in a special way. Now, it also has symbolic significance in the Bible. It's what theologians call a master image, meaning that it is like an artery through the Bible of imagery. It's used to represent spiritual reality in the Bible. In particular, it's used 500 times from Genesis to Revelation. The mountain, among other things, is a place of divine encounter. The mountain represents that elevated space on earth that takes us closer to heaven in the presence of God. It's, the mountain is where heaven meets earth, okay? If you remember, Moses met with God on the mountain. Do you remember that? He went up on the mountain, right? And he saw God's glory. He received the 10 commandments. It's where Elijah went and found courage and strength when he was really discouraged in the ministry he was doing. He went to the same mountain and he heard the still small voice of God there. And he found fresh strength for what he had to do. Okay, let's go to this next slide. The mountain is where it's a powerful picture of our life in prayer. And so when Jesus takes him up on the mountain, it has practical significance and it's spiritually teaching them about the role of prayer in his life and in your life. Prayer elevates our lives. Prayer elevates our lives, like going on a mountain, above the chaos, the confusion of our everyday life. You know, we just get in the weeds of everything, you know? You know what that's like when you're just, what's going on in your life, the circumstance of your life, it's like you're just in it and it's all you see. Getting into a prayer place gets you into a place of perspective so you see the bigger picture. Prayer lifts us up into an eternal perspective. Now, when Jesus takes them up on the mountain, he's revealing to them something of his nature, something of his purpose. We'll talk about that, but also about the role of prayer in his life. Listen to this about Jesus' prayer life. In Luke 5, 16, it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was his habit. It was a part of his life. He was doing it regularly. What keeps us from praying, right? It tends to be the things we got to do. You know what I'm talking about? What makes it hard to pray? Often it's the things that we got to do that are so important. But who ever had more important things to do than Jesus? When this guy walked around, he knew that in many places he was the only person who could heal people, the only person who could raise people from the dead and as important as what he had to do was, he knew he had to waste time in prayer. Doesn't it sometimes feel like that to pray? Who's got time to pray? I mean, man, we got to just take care of the kids. We got to get to work. We got tests to study for. We've got practice to get to. But Jesus made a habit of it. Luke 6, 12 
shows us that Jesus often went out and prayed on mountains, mountainside. So Luke 6, 12, went out to a mountainside to pray because he could go to those places and get alone. So the mountain represents that place where he could go to get alone, get quiet, and be with his father. He did it often. It was his habit. And it was the source of his strength, his power, and his life. And it is for you too. Prayer is where Jesus communed with his father. He found fresh perspective. He received guidance and he renewed the strength of his conviction. It's prayer, it's in prayer on the mountain that Jesus is changed. It's where he's transfigured. And so here we go. As we go into this passage, what we're going to understand is when we encounter Jesus on the mountain, we learn that prayer is where we are changed. It's where you are transfigured. It is where you are renewed. The glory that God created you to have is renewed in your life because you were created as a son and daughter to be filled with his glory. And every time you pray, God is renewing and restoring that glory to your life. Okay. How does prayer change us? That's what I want to talk about today. My hope is that in this message, you'll be inspired. We'll light a fire under you that will just renew your conviction, your commitment to go out into your week this week and to make time in your day to spend time alone with your father. That's what I'm hoping. Here we go. So what are the benefits of praying? How does it change you? Let's start with the first Reason, or way it changes you. It says here in verse 32, they saw Jesus's glory. Let's, re, let's start with that one. Verse 32, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. Don't you love that? Don't you just love how honest the Bible is, right? Like, is this, there's, these are not superhero followers. Has anyone here ever fallen asleep while praying? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, let's do the opposite. If you have never fallen asleep while praying, raise your hand. I dare you, come on. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> this guy back here, yeah, you liar. You liar. I know you, man. I know you. I know that guy. I have, I have. Look, you know, if you're like, if you're buried to prayer as, oh, Ryan, I go to pray. I just, you know, don't worry. Don't worry. We, we, all, we all get there, but we're get, we need to get past that. There's more to praying than falling asleep, and you can get there. Verse 32, Peter <laughs> and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. Isn't this it right here? Prayer is where our souls are awakening, are awakened. Are you in need of a fresh awakening of your soul? Prayer is the place that awakens our soul to see the glory and the truth of who Jesus really is. Now, uh, Peter, James, and John had been living with Jesus, right? They were seeing him every day, eating with him, walking with him, talking. When they get into prayer with him on the mountain, they see him in a way that is so much different. It's so much deeper and profound than how they're seeing him every day. When you pray, you're going to see Jesus in a way that's going to get past the surface, get past just the black and white of the print and get you to a spiritual encounter with God. When you pray, you are positioning yourself to see his glory and to have an encounter with God. Reading the Bible and worshiping, coming to church, 
doing Bible studies, all that is good. But all of that is so that you will go into the presence of God and encounter him personally. Now, I love this moment because they see him for who who he really is. When we pray, the eyes of our hearts are open to see more of Jesus's glory. Let me explain what this is. This is a profound spiritual reality that I want to take us into. So if you're of the practical spreadsheet type person, come on now. We need you. You're good. God's like that. But this is going to feel a little intangible. Come with me into this place because you were made for it. This is for you too. Paul says this in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What is that about? What is he talking about? So you have this inner reality, this deeper part of you. You have these eyes, but your heart has eyes. You have a heart. And by that, Paul is not talking about your organ. Now put your finger right here, just for a moment, just humor me right here. You're awake, you're listening, boom, there it is. So the mountain is a physical place on earth, but it has spiritual significance, right? It's teaching us about the elevating effect of prayer. It takes us into a heavenly spiritual dimension. This part right here, it's a metaphor. And the heart is an organ at the center of your body, and it's meant to represent this. Yeah, it's a little to the left. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a little. But yeah, but you get the point. It's here. (laughs) It's in the center of your body, essentially, and it represents that the spiritual part of you that is at the core of your being. Your heart is, in other words, in the Bible, the heart is synonymous with your spirit or with your will. It is that core part of you that is eternal. It is deeper than your thoughts or your emotions, believe it or not. Okay, that's true. So when someone has dementia or Alzheimer's, your heart, your your spirit is beneath the surface of your thought life. So when someone starts losing their memories and their thoughts, the core essential part of them is still intact. It's beneath the surface. That's why there's all kinds of evidence that you can talk to people in these states and they still are registering it somewhere. Okay. This is that eternal part of you that goes on forever. You have that. Isn't that wonderful? This place has eyes. It can perceive and you can see God and recognize and become aware of God in this place. And so Paul prays that the eyes of your heart would be opened. Second Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine where? In our hearts, in your heart, in your spirit, in this real significant foundational eternal part of you to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That is what is happening on the mountain. That's what prayer it's representing about prayer. When you pray, the light of Christ shines on you. You sometimes will feel it. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes when you pray, you're going to feel sleepy and want to take a nap. Sometimes when you pray, you have wonderful emotional experiences. Sometimes you don't. Are you with me? Whether you feel something or not, what this is saying is that when you pray, the glory of God is shining on you and is changing you. 
I want to talk, give you a metaphor. Let's go to the next slide with the leaf. Let's talk about the leaf. Look at this leaf. Okay, when you look at this leaf, there's something beautiful about the picture of sunlight illuminating creation. Just seeing the leaves and the trees and the flowers radiated by the light of the sun. Isn't it beautiful? When you look at this, what do you see here? Right, you want to raise your hand? What do you see in, in this picture? Yes? Okay, you see patterns. Yeah, you see the veins of the, of the leaf. Is that what you mean? Yeah. What else do you see? Symmetry? Symmetry of the leaf and its creation. Good. What else do you see? What? Peace. Yeah. You know, someone said that earlier today in the first service. It's true. Peace. You just see, just, I remember sometimes when I was struggling with anxiety, I would go out and just fix my attention on leaves rustling in the wind, and it would just center me and give me, reconnect me with God. When you look at this and you see these, the, the sunlight shining on these leaves, this is a picture of prayer. This leaf is praying. And it's teaching you how simple prayer can be. Leaf, praying is as simple as a leaf sitting in the sun. When the leaf sits in the sun, what happens? What is happening in this picture? You can't see it on the surface. But beneath the surface of, the, of this leaf, something profound is happening. Let's go to the next slide. This is what's happening. Boom, right here. When I was in biology, I had to study metabolic biochemistry. We learned about photosynthesis. This is the Calvin cycle. We had to memorize the molecular structure of NAD, NAPD, ATP, adenosine triphosphate. We had to learn the process in which a leaf, by simply sitting in the sun, translates photon energy, right? That's energy from the sun into chemical energy. Now, what does the leaf do to do this amazing process? It just sits there. (laughs) I remember getting ready for this. I was so stressed out for this exam I was taking. It was like a final for metabolic biochemistry and... Um, I was studying the photosynthetic metabolic process and trying to get the whole process memorized and going over it. And I'm sitting on this bench out in front of Warren Lecture Hall. And I look on the ground, there's all these leaves on the ground. And I looked at it and I just started laughing, the simplicity. I looked at it and go, there's more complexity in these little leaves than I could ever imagine. When you pray, it's a simple as getting into God's presence. And when you do, your soul is wired to absorb the glory of God and to translate God's glory into spiritual energy that changes you. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to feel it. You just have to get there and it happens. Do you understand? When you pray, it's as simple as a leaf sitting in the sun being changed. Every time you pray, you are being changed. If you feel it or you don't, you are there. And when the disciples get into the presence of Jesus, they go from being spiritually complacent, sleepy and drowsy to like, boom, what? Fully awake. Come on now. Who could use some of that? This happens in our hearts. Every time you pray, the glory of Christ shines on you and you're being changed. Number two, they saw Moses and Elijah. Let's talk about this. This is about 
When we pray, we're given an eternal perspective. Every time you pray, God is able to give you a perspective that gets you above the cloud of confusion that we're in in our everyday life and to put things in its proper place. Verse 30, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus, and they saw his glory and the two men. Now, this moment has profound meaning. First of all, it has the profound meaning of seeing two guys that were supposed to be dead. Moses and Elijah. Now, we don't know how they knew it was Moses and Elijah. There's a lot of funny stuff in commentaries about how did they know was Jesus like Moses? (laughs) You know, I don't know. I don't know, but we won't go into it because it's not important. But suffice it to say, they knew. The thing is that these guys should have been dead for hundreds, if not thousands of years by this point. So when they see Moses and Elijah, they're like, what? Those dudes are supposed to be dead. So it gives them, number one, an eternal perspective. So right here we see there is life after death. You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. I want to say this over and over. I want you to think about it. I want to challenge you today to sit somewhere quiet outside. Take a couple deep breaths. And then let that thought, I'm going to live forever sink in. Mark today is burying his father and he's having his memorial service at two o'clock. And we're going to grieve that we no longer get to see his dad this side of heaven. But his dad's alive. And he is seeing something right now. Doesn't that just trip you out? (laughs) It represents, secondly, Jesus fulfilling everything that the law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah, had been predicting about God's rescue plan through the cross. So what does this mean? When we pray, we get an eternal perspective that there is life forever with God, and we get perspective about God's plan to sort everything out in our life that is out of whack And this is so important in this moment to have an eternal perspective because Jesus has just told them earlier in the chapter that he's going to die. If you go back to Luke 9, he's just told them he's going to die and they're kind of like freaking out. And when they hear that he's going to die, he also tells them, oh, and you're going to die too. It's a real pick-me-upper message that Jesus got for them. Real, you know, inspirational, motivational message. And he says in verse 28 of Luke 9, or uh, not verse 28, he says in verse 24, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's a hard teaching. Listen, a cloud of fear and anxiety and uncertainty had settled over the disciples and Jesus knew it. Have you ever felt that? Where you feel that in following Jesus in some area of your life, you feel just surrounded by the fear and uncertainty of how things are going to turn out. Have you ever felt the weight of your immediate circumstance and struggled to see how God was going to work things out on your behalf? Have you ever felt enclosed by darkness and struggled to see the light at the end of the tunnel? 
Jesus takes them on the mountain to teach them that when you pray, God is going to give you an eternal perspective that's going to put everything in its proper place to help you see he's got you so you don't lose heart. When you're stuck down here and everything just feels so big and overwhelming, we lose perspective. I remember one point in my ministry with InterVarsity, I had a couple months left and I had to raise $50,000. And I felt overwhelmed by it. I felt overwhelmed by having to hit that number by the end of June and the fear of not hitting that number and getting a pay cut. I had gotten pay cuts before, $900 a month pay cuts, and they are not pretty. And I just remember feeling like that $50,000 felt like $50 million. You know what I'm talking about? Where the challenge of the moment is just looms large. When we pray, these challenges are put in their proper perspective in the face of God's eternal purpose in your life. Listen to Paul in chapter two of second of Corinthians, chapter four of Second Corinthians. He writes, "Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away; yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. There it is." an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Could you use that right now in your life? That kind of like perspective about your life. An eternal perspective. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes, get this, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. You see the irony in that? Fixing your eyes on what you can't see, it's kind of funny, right? Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I was freaking out. I went to pray about this $50,000 and I was at UCSD. I said, babe, I got to go to campus. I need to pray until I get confidence in God. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you're carrying a burden. You're dealing with some challenge in your life and it is bigger than God in your life. And you got to get a perspective that God, nothing is bigger than God in your life. You gotta get there. I'm not talking about achieving something. I'm talking about getting in God's presence so that God can do something in you to show you he's got you. So I drove to campus. It was nine o'clock at night. I said, God, I'm not leaving here until I meet with you. I went to this little area that was my prayer garden and I got out in the dirt, literally in the dirt. And I just started crying out to God, God, tears coming down my, God, I just need to know that you've got me. I'm afraid, I'm doubting you, I'm stressed, I can't sleep. Come on, you been there? I'm on my face, I'm just crying out to God. But man, after I've been there for a while, God started bringing me back into my right mind, started giving me perspective. And I heard this still small voice tell me, just, it's in my Bible. I didn't bring it, I should have brought it. It just says, 50K done. Three months later, it's one week left and I'm freaking out because I still need $3,000 to hit that mark and I'm not there. And my sister-in-law goes, didn't God tell you he would do it? And I go, yeah, he did, but there's no time. There's nothing left. It was the day. The, de- the deadline was that day. It's over. And she said, 
it's never over with God. And I disagreed with her and I said, okay, let's pray. (laughs) Seriously, come on. I mean, dude, come on. I didn't feel anything. I was not feeling awesome. It's okay. But like that light, it's doing something on me. Let's pray. God, I just trust you. We were having a little party at our house. Everyone left. There's a timing, actually. I didn't share this story in the 9 a.m. service, but there's a timing right now for this service to share this story. This person ran back into the house. They're actually in this service right now. They don't know it. And I wonder if they remember what they did. They ran back in the house and handed me a check and just said, I don't know, I felt like God put it on our heart to give this to you. It was the exact amount that we had been, I had been praying for for that three months. Right there. You know, God wants to show us his strength on our behalf. When you pray, you position yourself to receive everything he wants to give you and do in you. But sometimes when he puts us to our extremity, we freak out and rather than go to him in prayer, we either double down and try harder or we run away and decide God's failed us. When that is the moment he's gonna show up and work for you. It's in that last hour. And lastly, we hear God's voice. Listen, Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, whom I have chosen, listen to him. I want to invite the band out, and as the band comes out, I just want to say this, listen. Prayer is where Jesus regularly listened to the voice of his father. I'm going to say this to you, and I want you to hear this, because if you're not there, Trust me, as a church, we're going to get there, and this is where we're going. So I want you to hear this. Prayer is where we learn to hear the Father's voice. Prayer, Jesus created prayer for you to learn to hear God's voice. It's hard to argue that from the Old Testament, but when you get to the New Testament, this is a new gift that God's given us through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was crucified, he opened up a special like sort of like a bandwidth of relationship between heaven and earth and between you and God. Do you know that? Something opened and there is an access to God that is unprecedented. All that to say is prayer is a place that God, Jesus through his death has made for you to learn to hear the voice of God. And there is something in every one of us that wants to hear that voice. But there are many of us here that don't think we can because you never have or you don't realize you have. And you're thinking, I could never hear God's voice. And I want you to know every human being in this room was made to hear God's voice. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, the power to hear the voice of God is in you. And you're gonna hear that voice. And my prayer is that every person that comes through this church No one leaves without learning to hear the voice of God. What does the voice of God sound like? The voice of God sounds like this. You ready? Like a spontaneous thought that alights upon the mind. Go to the New Testament. 
So often the voice of God, it's like this thought that comes to people. It is a thought that is aligned with the revealed word of God. Never contradicts, always aligned with God's word. Number two, it will compel you toward the grace and the truth of God. I just want us right now to pause and allow ourselves to get in touch with that part of us that yearns to hear that voice because that is what this is for. To read this, to tune you, the frequency of your spirit to the frequency of God's voice, the frequency of his truth, his grace, and his holiness. It tunes you. That night in the prayer at UCSD, I had read Psalm 34. Those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. And when I read that verse, my spirit was aligned with the frequency of God's promise. I got you. And that's when I heard 50K done. Don't you want to hear God? His voice is not going to lead you to like predict the lottery numbers. Probably not. His voice is not going to go tell you to do anything that contradicts the word of God or anything that takes you off course of his grace and truth. But when you hear God's voice, it strengthens you. It fills you with the glory of God and gives you the courage and the joy and the energy to do all that he has made you to do. Wouldn't you like that? Just close your eyes to go into the song and open that part of you that wants to know the voice of God, to hear it the way that a sheep knows the voice of their shepherd. Just call out to God in your heart and say, Lord, I want to learn to hear your voice. I need to hear you right now. Teach me. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.